our workforce studio. I'm very proud to be part of that spear point to let other companies know that there are people in this world who, uh, while they have these disabilities, they're still confident and willing to take those strides. VR Workforce Studio, podcasting the sparks that ignite vocational rehabilitation through the inspiring stories of people with disabilities who have gone to work. As well as the professionals who have helped them. A job and a career. You, you got to look at how life changing this is. And the businesses who have filled their talent pipelines with workers that happen to have disabilities. To help expand registered apprenticeship. These are their stories. Because there's such a great story to tell about people with disabilities. Now, here is the host of the VR Workforce Studio, Rick Sizemore. Uh, Welcome to episode 106 of the VR Workforce Studio podcast, Work Makes the World Go Round. Rick Sizemore here along with producer and co-host Betsy Civilette. Hey, Betsy. Hey, Rick. I am so excited about today's show. We have an interview with Valerie Williams, the new director for the Office of Special Education Programs, And David Leon and Evan Graham are here to talk about a fabulous new opportunity for people with disabilities who are interested in apprenticeships. But let's get started with George Dennehy, the armless guitarist. He's working with an array of VR agencies and businesses all across the United States, telling the story of vocational rehabilitation or VR and disability employment through his new song and music video. He joins us in just a few minutes with reflections on this amazing new music just released that's capturing the attention of the VR and disability communities. Let's take a listen now to Work Makes the World Go Round by George Dennehy. Work makes the world go round. Everybody make a sound. Show them all who you are. It's time for you to be a star. Ain't nothing gonna hold you back. Trade for this and that's a fact There's so much for you to do All you gotta do is choose Work makes the world go round do 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 I'm made for this moment, it's time to own it I'm not afraid now, I'm gonna seize the day Working hard so they say I've got my heart strong, keeping my head on Whatever challenge wants to come in my way It's all gonna be okay Work makes the world go round Everybody make a sound Show them all who you are It's time for you to be a star Ain't nothing gonna hold you back Train for this and that's a fact There's so much for you to do all you gotta do is choose what makes the world go round. Making these wages, turning life's pages, building my future. There's joy in the daily grind, showing up right on time. I'm ready to give my all, it's okay to learn to fall I will never stay there down, each day an opportunity To be the best that I can be Work makes the world go round Everybody make a sound Show them all who you are It's time for you to be a star Ain't nothing gonna hold you back 
train for this and that's a fact There's so much for you to do All you gotta do is choose The work makes the world go round Do 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 What I'm made for and it's all that I work toward In my VR training to find a job for myself Focused on nothing else Though I may be different That don't mean I can't be part of society Advocate for my life There's no disability Work makes the world go round Everybody make a sound Show them all who you are Time for you to be a star Ain't nothing gonna hold you back Train for this and that's a fact There's so much for you to do All you gotta do is choose The work makes the world go round Do 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 Work makes the world go round Do 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 George, tell us about this song. Yeah, well, I, I was so honored uh, to be asked to be a part of, of this and, and kind of create this uh, new song for VR. And I mean, right away, I, I just I went right to it and created this song from just thinking about my own time working with VR as a teenager, learning how to drive, and really just the mission that you guys stand for of, of encouraging and, and pushing in a good way people with differences to go out and just reach their full potential. And that's kind of where the song first kind of came from. And those ideas and, and the chorus and verses and finding uh, your career, finding your calling and just making a difference in, in the world and not letting your challenges get in the way of that. The song is amazing. You hear it and you can't stop singing it. <laughs> Betsy, you've been part of this project from the very beginning. You helped create the concepts for the song. You were in the studio the day it was recorded and you did all of the video editing. I agree. Once you start singing it, you, you just stop. can't stop. <laughs> but what amazes me most about the song is that George took our original ideas and formed them into a final product in less than 24 hours. He is truly a gem and a talent. <laughs> he is a true talent. I, I don't want to downplay, you know, the, the passion I, I put into it or anything because, because I was just so excited to write it. It wasn't a chore. It wasn't, I didn't get any writer's block, you know, which, which I tend to get a lot when I, when I write songs. It was just such a clear vision, you know, that, that, that you helped me with. And then thinking about the mission and the vision of it, it, I was able to just, yeah, like you said, pour out this song. And I'm really, really proud uh, of it. I wish I could say how the melodies came in my head, but it just, they just did. It's a great song. George Dennehy is the voice. He is the singer that brings vocational rehabilitation to life in the stories of other people and the images that we've been able to get from other voc rehab uh, organizations around the country. George, you're an amazing singer. You're an amazing guitarist, and it's such an honor uh, to be involved with you on this project. Is the the background of, of the, the bigger picture and, and the bigger vision, which is is these videos coming in and these just examples of persevering people who inspiring the world with their their strive and their strength. George, thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Thank, thank you for letting me be a part of it and for everyone to hear it and hopefully 
take it to heart and take it with them wherever they go. George Dennehy is a performing artist and motivational speaker from Richmond, Virginia. You can find all of his contact information in our show notes at vrworkforcestudio.com, along with a full interview detailing his life and journey through vocational rehabilitation. Just look in the library for episode six. Inspiration. Inspiration. There's a new and exciting opportunity for people with disabilities to get involved in apprenticeships. David Leon, the Director of Workforce Programs at the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services, joins us now with more. Thanks, Rick. We do. I I have not been this excited about a work project in a long time. It is an RSA Disability Innovation Fund grant. We are calling it Pathways. And our goal is to help 750 of our clients enter into state, federal, local government positions or registered apprenticeships in STEM or skilled trades. We are really excited about a complete focus and almost a tunnel vision on career pathways around registered apprenticeship and state, federal, and local government. And Because it's a demonstration project, we're going to get to do some really unique things through this grant. We are partnering directly with the Department of Labor and Industries Office of Registered Apprenticeship for the state. We are also partnering with the Department of Human Resource Management. Each of those agencies are housing a VR liaison, in other words, a counselor position that instead of working at DARS, will be housed within those two agencies working on making inroads, developing relationships, and creating opportunities for more people with disabilities to enter into those fields. So this is brand new. You're just out of the gate, but already you have some early returns, boots on the ground success stories. Tell us what's happening in the field. Absolutely. Uh, One other unique thing about this grant is that we added a quick response counselor because as we were developing the concept, we realized there might be people with hidden disabilities who were at risk at not being successful in a position they had already received, especially when you think of registered apprenticeships, which might include a two-year process and educational components. So we have just finished onboarding our four staff for this program. We haven't even fully finished our work plan or all of the all of the pieces of the puzzle. And our Dolly liaison went on a tour with, uh, they call them ride-alongs, with one of Dolly's other lead generation specialists was talking to the employer. And they had an opportunity for an optical dispensary apprentice. One of our DARS clients, Evan Graham, applied for and was quickly moved into that apprenticeship, and he is with us to talk about this amazing new opportunity for people with disabilities. Welcome to the podcast, Evan. Hi, Rick. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, tell us about this new apprenticeship. Um, There was an opportunity to be joining Four Eyes, and that's where I'm working. Now, what is Four Eyes? Four Eyes is a company that's built around providing glasses and other optical needs for people. They often work with optometrists around the area and also around the U.S. Tell us a little bit about actually getting into that apprenticeship. Went in for the interview, and so from there, I would sign the paperwork, and then I was in. (laughs) That's exciting. So what do you hope to get out of this? A 
good, confident feeling that I'm caring for people. And for for eyes provides that. It's for glasses. It's for people who need to see. If I can know at the end of the day that people are seeing better or seeing their future, then that's what I want. Wow. Uh, could you tell us about your disability? Autism and dysautonomia. And that's essentially a issue with blood um, circulation going through the body. What does it mean to you personally to be able to do this? I'm very proud to be able to be part of that spear point to let other companies know that there are people in this world who, uh, while they have these disabilities, they're still confident and willing to take those strides to be able to be a successful member of society. We are incredibly excited about Career Pathways and how the new grant will create a lot of opportunities for people with disabilities. David, it sounds like Evan is on a great career pathway. Evan Graham is an apprentice with four eyes in the new Pathways grant through the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services. Thanks for joining us, Evan. Thanks, Rick. Well, today we welcome Valerie Williams to our show. She recently became the director in the Office of Special Education Programs within the Office of Special Education and Rehabilitative Services at the U.S. Department of Education. Williams most recently served for six years as Senior Director of Government Relations and External Affairs at the National Association of State Directors of Special Education. But she has decades of experience supporting state-level special education leaders in their work to improve the outcomes for students with disabilities. Valerie's also served as the Joseph P. Kennedy Public Policy Fellow on the U.S. Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee and managed the budgeting and finances for numerous multi-million dollar programs within the departments of Navy and Air Force, as well as the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Now, that is a very impressive resume, Valerie. We give you a warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here with you today. Well, Valerie, first of all, congratulations on your new position. What an honor to lead the Office of Special Education Programs. How does it feel to take on such a responsibility? Um, I am extremely excited uh, and very honored to be leading a team of such dedicated experts at OSEP. Not only are they extremely smart, but they are very passionate about the work, and it's thrilling to be working with them. Well, what are you most excited about in terms of your new duties at OSEP? I feel a, a tremendous sense of urgency. I believe that things were not great for all of our students pre-COVID, so I'm not necessarily here to take us back to a previous time, but I think COVID has magnified and exacerbated many issues that were already present. I think that, broadly speaking, our education systems take a long time to change, and what I'm excited about is that while we're all thinking critically about what our students need and the innovation and collaboration and everything that's been going on in the last couple of years, changes are being made at a quicker pace. And I think um, COVID has presented an opportunity for us to make substantive changes that can impact our students in the long run. Valerie, without getting down in the weeds, could you give us just a brief overview of the structure of OSEP and how it fits in at the Department of Education and how it sits alongside the Rehabilitation Services Administration, recognizing that both your team and the team at RSA both serve people with disabilities. Uh, thank you for that. Um, 
OSEP is actually a subunit of the Office of Special Education and Rehabilitative Services, which is OSERS. And OSERS' two main units are OSEP and RSA, which is the Rehabilitative Services Administration. That's a mouthful. OSERS is unique in the department as our stakeholders are broad in their range. They include infants, toddlers, um, children in school, and adults. Well, I'd like to talk in the time we have remaining about the transition tigers. It seems that helping youth find meaningful pathways into careers is so key in our world today. This transition steering committee, the Tigers, seem to have all the key players from special education, vocational rehabilitation, working together to focus on the needs of youth with disabilities. So can you talk about their work and what you hope they will accomplish in the future? The purpose of the OSERS Transition Steering Committee, also known as the Tigers, is to facilitate all the collaborative efforts of OSERS to improve outcomes for students and youth with disabilities in their transition from secondary school to adulthood. So they started as a community of practice, kind of like a lunch and learn in 2004, and then they became an official internal OSERS work group in 2008. So they actually came together initially just around shared interests and and wanting to have a conversation. Uh, They have members from the OSERS Office of Policy and Planning um, and all the divisions within OSEP and RSA. And their main objectives are pretty much to support OSERS and collaborate across all the OSERS divisions on transition-related requirements and activities. Uh, They created a guide and actually was updated in 2020 with the help of the Tigers and released in conjunction with VR100 transition activities in August of 2020. There's a lot of work that is going on as well as work that is planned because we've looked at the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports on persons with disabilities in the labor force. And um, it it would not be a surprise to anyone that there are large gaps between the um, employment of disabled Americans and non-disabled Americans. So we're gonna continue to collaborate with our federal, state and local partners to increase post-secondary opportunities because I think the goal is to have more opportunities for competitive integrated employment and for independent living. Transition is one of the areas that is important to me. I I, I don't list things as priorities per se, but I have a, a list of things that are important. And transition is important for two reasons. One is that I think there are too many of our families that have a loved one with a disability, and I'm talking about on the younger end, that believe that their loved one will always be home with them. They will always be taking care of them. They will never be able to work. They will never be able to live independently. And so by the time we start talking about transition at age 14 or 16, whatever it happens to be in that state, I think it's too late. And I think we've lost the opportunity to help create vision for our younger families that they can cultivate. So by the time we get to the formal process Um, they've already had a chance to wrap their brain around it and figure out what it looks like for them. And I'll give you an example. Growing up, our parents used to always tell my sister and I, from the time that we were very little, you're going to college or you're going to the military. You're going to college or you're going to the military. Told us forever. And eventually it turned into you're going to college and you're going at least a three-hour bus ride away, right? And so we grew up with the mindset we're going to college and we're going a three or four hour bus right away. And so it never dawned on us 
that we weren't going to college. And it never dawned on on us to apply to a school in our local area. And so I wound up going to California and my sister wound up in North Carolina. But that was mainly because the vision that was set for us when we were younger and we all had a chance to develop that vision and dream together as a family and figure out what it looked like for us. And so I think it's the same for our students with disabilities. If we can help cultivate and create that vision early on, then by the time the formal process starts, that will just be putting pen to paper and making the dreams a reality, if you will. I don't think that fixing this part will be a heavy lift. I think it is mainly something that has to do with messaging and outreach and and having discussions early on about what is possible and not a one-time conversation, but over time to keep the drumbeat steady from the young age on up as they get older until 14, 16, then everything formal will kick in. So that's one thing in transition that's very important to me. The other is that um, if we do everything that we should do uh, when they're school age, there should be employment training and there should be jobs waiting. And I feel like to not shore up that part of the system is a travesty. And so I would like to make sure that as they move through the system and they exit, that the rest of the system is working properly so that there is something for them to continue into whatever that happens to look like, whether it's any type of post-secondary opportunity you can think of, whether it's college, whether it is uh, job training and then in turn employment or whatever that is. Is I think we need to make sure that our system is short up and that we create the vision for the for the younger set. We create the drumbeat through the school age years and that there's something available based on whatever the needs and the interests are of that student as they're leaving and trying to figure out what life looks like for them later. So those are the two things in, in the way of transition that are extremely important to me. And in my meeting with the Transition Tigers, They're excited. They were already excited. They're excited that I'm excited and want to make this one of the things that we pay more attention to. Well, that was so well said. I mean, uh, transition is so crucial. And I know at DARS, we we focus a lot on on pre-employment transition services, but you're so right. Could you close with a favorite story about what drives you to do this work to benefit students and people with disabilities? Well, this is easy. This might be the easiest question you've asked because my husband and I happen to have a 10-year-old son who has Down syndrome. And so initially it, uh, it started out as wanting to figure out what was out there for our son. Because just like most people, most families, we were, we were uh, fairly unaware of the disability community broadly. Knew that it was there and existed, but didn't have any real interaction And so when our son was born, I felt the need to do something. I didn't know what I needed to do, but I needed to do something. And uh, we found our local county arc, our our local Prince George's County arc, which is very big, very active. um, And so got involved. I wound up going with them to um, Annapolis in Maryland when they had a series of, of visits to see legislators about various things. I had no idea what I was really going there for, had no experience in advocacy whatsoever, but um, I'm not afraid to talk. So I took an eight by 10 glossy of our child and I, I went up there with them and I, I, I whipped it out in, <laughs> in the legislator's office. And I said, I don't know how all the other kids are doing, but, but this is my child and this is how he's doing. And, and this is what's needed in our system. And I'm just going on and on. And so they said to me, 
after a couple months of doing this, why don't you join the board for the Ark of Prince George's County? You're already doing the work. And I said, okay, fine. And then I did that for a while longer. And eventually someone said, why don't you join the board for the Ark of Maryland? You're already doing the work. And so one thing kind of led to another. And um, even though I was not doing uh, disability policy or, or advocacy work at the time. This was all what I was doing on the side <laughs> for fun, if you will. And at one point, I got an opportunity to stop doing what I was previously doing for 18 years, which was budgeting and finance, and um, was able to get the the Joseph Kennedy Public Policy Fellowship that you mentioned. And I wound up on the Hill doing disability policy and civil rights in the U.S. Senate Help Committee. And so that was a springboard to everything that came after that and where I am today. Um, I have no problem saying that that my path was not something I think can be duplicated. Uh, I think I pretty much, after our son was born, I walked through each open door and open window as it presented itself. And it felt like another opportunity to, initially it was to help my child, but then thinking about all of the other children that I know that I've come in contact with in the community. And then I started thinking broadly about all the students across the nation and across the world and about how um, in my heart, I feel like I've always been a servant. And so I want to leave each person and each situation better off than when I, I encountered them. Valerie Williams is the new director of the Office of Special Education Programs. Thank you for being on our podcast, Valerie. Thank you. It's time for our National Clearinghouse Report with the always entertaining and informative Heather Service. Welcome, Heather. Hey, Rick. It's good to be back. Before I jump into my report, I really just have to say, wow, congratulations on the release of the music video for Work Makes the World Go Round. Oh, thank uh, you so much. We're excited just, about that. just loved seeing the video and hearing the song, and it's, it's so catchy. It's just been staying with me all day. So. <laughs> Well, uh, it's Autism Awareness, or as some say, Autism Acceptance Month, and I bet you have some things in the clearinghouse for us. I do. I have four different resources that I want to share with you. All of these resources were created by the VR Technical Assistance Center for Quality Employment, also known as VR Tech QE. Um, so to dive right into what we've got, uh, we've got two fact sheets. So if you're just looking for some quick information about autism, we have an autism in the workplace fact sheet that goes over uh, some statistics and gives you some other additional reading materials about autism and employment. We also have a fact sheet that discusses businesses and their success in hiring people with autism and some, some ideas, techniques, and approaches for including individuals with autism in the workplace. And then I have two on-demand training events that are geared towards different audiences. The first is Autism 101, which is an on-demand webinar. So you can take this webinar at any time that you, you have available. And it really goes over the characteristics of autism and how it can present in the workplace. You'll learn about possible accommodations for new hires who have autism and how to support them from the time of job application all the way through employment. And then the last resource I have for you is an autism and employment on-demand training. And this training 
gives you tools and resources to work with people with autism and help them with obtaining and maintaining employment. So for all of the vocational rehabilitation professionals, employment specialists, uh, this is for you because during this webinar, you'll learn to uh, explore tools for sensory-based accommodations. You'll even learn a little bit about motivational interview strategies for working with adults with autism, and then also give you some tools to help prepare young adults with autism spectrum disorder for interviews and employment. And we'll have links to all those resources in our show notes at vrworkforcestudio.com. Heather Service leads the National Clearinghouse of Rehabilitation Training Materials. Thank you, Heather. My pleasure. Here's Lynn Harris, director of the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center Foundation. The foundation is pleased to bring you these exciting stories of how vocational rehabilitation is changing people's lives. We thank all of our partners in podcasting who made this episode possible. Aladdin Foods Management, fueling students, community, and culture. The Council of State Administrators of Vocational Rehabilitation, bringing talent to America's workforce for 100 years. CVS Health, revolutionizing the consumer health experience. And the Hershey Company, named to CNBC's list of America's most just companies. You can find out more about becoming a sponsor at www.rcf.org or find our contact information in the show notes at vrworkforcestudio.com. You can always find another exciting episode as we podcast the sparks that ignite vocational rehabilitation here at the VR Workforce Studio. Until next time, I'm Rick Sizemore. The VR Workforce Studio podcast is owned and operated by the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center Foundation. The foundation publishes and distributes the VR Workforce Studio and manages all sponsor arrangements. Audio content for the podcast is provided to the Wilson Workforce and Rehabilitation Center Foundation by the Virginia Department for Aging and Rehabilitative Services in exchange for promotional considerations.